0: How do traditional events fit into a marketing strategy? With Katherine Frankson. The Strategic Marketing Show is brought to you by Insights for Professionals. Providing access to the latest industry insights from trusted brands, all in a customised, tailored experience. Find out more over at insightsforprofessionals.com Hey, it's David. How do you actually integrate in-person traditional events into a marketing strategy? That's what we're going to be discussing today with a lady who focuses on the product, experience, content, and community of putting together the most successful business event possible. She's the former director of event marketing at Sinforma and the current global director of marketing at Money 2020. A warm welcome to the Strategic Marketing Show, Catherine Frankson.
1: Hello. Always nice to chat with you, David.
0: You as well, Catherine. Thanks so much for coming on. Well, you can find Catherine over at money2020.com. So Catherine, do things like online events reduce the need to participate in face-to-face events?
1: Well, it's an interesting question. You know, it's kind of the journey that we all went on in events over the last couple of years. Obviously, we know everything paused, We had the advent of a virtual that sort of went into hybrid. And a lot of those questions started to emerge, which is really ultimately comes down to what do our audiences want? What are they consuming? How do we provide value to them? And we now have fairly equal footing with a lot of different event formats. But the thing that's really interesting, especially now that we're on, I would say, more of the other side of the event recovery is that the demand for audiences to have an in-person experience is incredibly strong and what we've differentiated between how they want to connect live and in person and what what virtual means to them what they're getting out of that space how they're connecting and learning there has become a little bit different so in a simple answer no just because the experience that they can get when they come in person to an event. The, the connections, what we always say at Money 2020 is you get you know four months of meetings in three days, three or four days, depending on how they, they structure their time there. And so you're able to layer on these different value sets with, with live and in person where you can kind of tackle the networking component, you can tackle the, the meeting component, certainly the content. I always think with with events there's sort of this we call it the the secondary or the the selfish benefit that you just aren't able to get in a lot of other formats. You know, maybe if you're looking for the next step in your career, if you're looking to meet, you know, people that that only go to certain select events, if you're sort of bolting on an event of, of your own, which is organizers, we go, Okay, we, we get that, that you're doing that and able to capitalize on it, we found that it, it tends to be really two different experiences and two different ecosystems that your audiences are Living in when it comes to virtual and in person at this point.
0: Wow, I think you've highlighted about ten different positive reasons of why face-to-face events are good value, um, worthwhile doing certainly. But um, maybe for a brand that hasn't actively participated either in face events ever, uh, face-to-face events ever, or perhaps um, are considering them for the first time in about three years or so, where would you say that a face-to-face event tends to fit into an overarching marketing strategy in general?
1: Yeah. Well, I think what's nice about events in person at this point is that you have a lot of flexibility to build what you need to to drive the outcomes that you're really looking for. So if, depending on where you're at in the maturity of your company, depending on ultimately what your goals are, if you're launching a product, if you are at a point where you've you reached scale and saturation in a market and you're trying to rebrand or you're trying to reroute in terms of your audience message, if you feel like things have been a little bit flat and an event is essentially aside from a product release, it gives you something to ship almost, right? It gives you that marketing arc of something to talk about, somewhere where we're going to be, somewhere to invite invite clients to. It could be that in person is one really small snippet of an overall marketing campaign where you go this is this is actually just our our value prop is around the event but what we're really looking to do is get the marketing lift leading up to it with all of the promotion all of the messaging that we can do and then also the the follow up the content that we're going to create on site at the event we know even if it's a large event that's perhaps still a sliver of your audience segment and using that to amplify what you're doing in terms of, you know, overall content as a follow up or as a campaign that that drives credibility. So it's definitely going to track back to what you really need to bed down in terms of that goal. Because based on market conditions, where you're at in your product pipeline growth, where you're at in in your revenue stage and growth, where you're at with your, your commitment to your team, are you trying to get your sales force and your marketing teams, you know, back live, doing meetings, is that how you're building pipeline? So it's all going to back into what you need to achieve either for the year or the quarter. But what's really great about events is that there's so much flexibility on the organizer side at this point to help achieve those goals, just because the playbooks all got thrown out the window. So this idea of you know t- taking space or designing a sponsorship, but doing it in a way that's actually gonna be really collaborative so that you can decide, okay, this is this is where I'm trying to go, this is the size and scale that I need to get there, you often end up having a partner in that.
0: Can there be significant value in just participating in someone else's event, being a speaker, being a sponsor, perhaps hosting some mini section of an event? Or is there always going to be significantly more value in actually producing your own event? And in fact, should every Large enterprise produce their own event.
1: I only only if they want to be very tired. <laughs> it is it's a huge lift to produce an event. It's a really really massive lift. If you are at the point in your journey as a business and you actually say. Yeah, you know what? We by virtue of us having this in, an annual event or producing our own conference and trade show, this is really our stake in the ground. This is going to be a competitive, you know, advantage for us. This is how we're going to differentiate. We're going to build out an events team. That is absolutely a path, but you really have to, to look long and hard at that and say, do we have the resource to do it? Is it worth it? Does the PL support? this decision? Does it feel like what we're trying to back into from all of the production elements and from owning it end to end and having that, that be ours, that can be really, really powerful, but you do not have to own and operate and scale an event and run all of that to achieve your business goals and to really gain value from in person. If you, if you want to bolt on and say and and to your point there's so many different entrance points into an event you could say you know what we really want to be on the main stage we're going to make a play to be to have a presence as a keynote there's there's uh, moderators which are a way to really kind of get a new level of you know expertise and face time with audiences and, you know, more subtly get your, your message across, you know, you can exhibit and you can sponsor. But I think if we think about that, it can sometimes feel a little bit trite when actually there's, you know, the raw space and events allow you to, to build almost anything, which is going to be a lot more, you know, cost conscious than than having to run and own and and operate an event of that scale and then to continue on with that so so no I would say that the nice thing about the landscape is you can absolutely look at where would be a natural place to partner is there an association that we can bring in is there something really small and niche and boutique that that we could do? is there a major event in our space that actually is just doing all the legwork and we can just, you know, clamp onto that and get all of the, the juice and benefit that we want out of it. So it just gives you a lot of different options depending on, you know, time, budget, effort, resource, which are all very, it's, it's one thing to put, we should do events on, you know, on your goal sheet for the year or as a growth sector. And then it gets very, very real once you get into the timeline, venue, scoping everything out. So if there is an easy way for you to say, we, we have to achieve this, this is really mission critical, and this is the path of, of least resistance, and it's still going to get us the same results, then I would encourage everyone just to, to look at that, especially for the first year to three, as you're kind of tasting what that could be.
0: I loved your partnering advice there as well. I think that could be a very effective middle ground for, for many brands. Uh, because at the end of the day, speaking at an event, it's obviously not your own event. So it's tr- difficult to perhaps attract most of your clients to that kind of event. But partnering, perhaps with a brand in a similar market, but um, not with a competitor, that could be the best of both worlds. It could could be getting the ideal audience to listen to to what you've got to say and and, um, engage with your brand without actually uh, being introduced to competitors at the same time.
1: Yeah, Yep. co-branding, co-partnering, eliminating some of that risk, making the lift a little bit easier, having it be beneficial to, to both parties. Oh, I see you're running this association event we can actually bring this value, this is how how partnership could look, and it's additive for both parties, that can be a really nice way, especially if you're going into a new market or a new vertical, specifically.
0: I'm also going to mention the PC phrase, post-COVID. So um, <laughs> has anything significantly changed? about running events since COVID? You know, I mean, looking back three years ago, is there any aspect of events that you wouldn't particularly advise incorporating nowadays? Or is there anything that you're doing nowadays that didn't really exist three years ago?
1: I would say the biggest shift, the biggest shift, hands down, is that you have to be so laser focused on creativity that you're embedding into the event. And it's, it's, perhaps a non-traditional answer right it isn't oh don't do don't do content themes this way or don't lay out your trade show this way or you know don't do your your AV this way it's it's all of those pieces are still alive and well but what we what we saw is that the the shift was just so fundamental with audiences and their expectations have changed they've seen so much more content the value that they're putting on time all of these things that 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 we're all talking about, are realities and the justification of budget, the justification of time, and what they're looking to get out of an event from an experience. Otherwise, there's virtual options. There's there's every way to achieve, I would say, on paper, some of those components. Okay, we're gonna get content. I there's there's LinkedIn, there's you know, data scraping websites, and yet the part of the magic of what audiences want is an experience that they cannot get anywhere else. And that creativity can't look the same that it used to. It was maybe, oh, we're gonna do a big keynote or a stage is gonna look this way, or we'll we'll bring top speakers. And what you have to do is you have to find a way to embed in your business unexpected areas of creativity. And you have to rethink what the experience is because taking some of those same playbooks and lifting everything going, I arrive and I stand in a registration queue and I get my lanyard. And this of course is in the context of a, you know, a corporate conference and trade show. And, and I sort of know the flow and I go to a welcome reception and I go to the content and then I walk the trade show floor. That is not going to inspire and entice audiences to come in and to develop the this, this scale of partnerships that you're looking to. And so, and also there's, you know, a competitive landscape in every single vertical for live events because they're exciting, they can be very profitable. And so you, that's just the biggest, the biggest change is you have to find a way to make creativity your competitive advantage or, If you do if anyone's just doing a swot analysis or they're scoping out because you're always going to see a level of churn within live events and so you're building that new pipeline and so if you're not retaining clients because they go, i kind of know what i would expect the next year and new audiences don't really have that hook to make the investment and come and book travel and and take that time, you're not going to see your NPS increase, you're not going to see the rate of growth that you want, you're probably going to see more churn, you might get sort of into the leading legging, you know, indicators of like, eh, attendance is a little bit down, and then sponsorship is a little bit down. And so you you have to make that adjustment and find a way to make your event more inspiring, more creative, and in ways that your audience isn't inherently going to expect.
0: And talking about audiences, many brands may be fearful that they might not be able to attract, attract enough audience and certainly enough of the the right audience. So so how do you attract the right audience and how do you get how do you make sure that you have enough of them?
1: I think there's a couple of things. One, what can really, really help is having a level of subject matter expertise in-house at your event. Because when we think of growing audiences, our our minds naturally go to, you know, how to increase our, you know, our traffic and funnel and how do we target and how do we push out more marketing and often where when you say well we're bringing subject matter expertise in-house we know the market so well that that's going to become that's going to sort of bleed out through everything that we're doing in our product design in you know if if we're building communities around the event in that strategy the finger that we can have on the pulse with all of the supporting content, the types of speakers that we're bringing in, the types of new partnerships. So I would say first and foremost, think about how you're setting up your resourcing, how you're setting up your team, because that is a competitive advantage that we know the market so well that what we're going to put into it, what we're going to build, and then ultimately what we are going to amplify through our marketing is going to be so strong that that's becoming a bit of a magnet, we're saying the things that the industry either knows that they want to dig into more or that they don't even know that they need yet. And that's kind of mind blowing to them. And that's why they're they're coming to us, you can't really fake it with audiences anymore. So there's that and then you really do get into your channel modeling on the marketing side, which is that's where you get kind of that certainly the creativity, but also a little bit into the map of All right we need to grow at this rate and you look at your data and marketing attribution is not perfect but you also look at you know okay what what channels are performing for us how are we doing with our with our retention audiences with our our first timers audiences we look at our data what what do we have for sector data where are we growing what do we lean into okay, that's probably an area that we're going to to target more. And that's really where you start to kind of get get under the hood and make sure that at least what you feel like you're teeing up in terms of your overall marketing strategy and the volume that you're putting out there and what you're measuring probably every week, quite frankly, is delivering what it needs to on, on that promise. But a lot of that is it's to do really smart marketing and to kind of fine-tune all the knobs is really important. But the messages that you're putting out in your paid social or in your really targeted emails and if you're getting really robust with your email automation it's just going to be noise if the message isn't different than any other event or if what you're saying doesn't feel like it's landing with where someone is exactly in their industry in the challenge that they're facing right now because every industry it's iterating so quickly so i think i always say take that pause and think where's that source of content coming from do we feel like we have that piece right before we start kind of turning up the volume on our channel work.
0: Now you're putting together a series of events for Money 2020 over the next couple of years. What kind of goals and objectives do you have and how do you measure success?
1: We measure success in a number of different ways. So the goals ultimately, I mean, are to build world-class events that our audiences absolutely love, that you know fuels their business, changes their lives in many ways. I mean we always we always think when we when we plan, we I joke we sort of we use words like love and and passion. And because I think when you start from from that point and say this is how strongly we feel about the impact that we want to have on the industry, on our customers, on their businesses, on the work that they're doing, it can really put you in the right frame of mind for how you achieve those goals. But we look at, you know, obviously overall in terms of business metrics, you know, how we're producing revenue is as an event, we measure volume, our margin, our yield, we look at our, our NPS is one that we're laser focused on, because for us, if you're nailing the experience for your audience, truly, truly, truly building an experience that is unbelievable, at every turn that should show that should show in your results and it should show from the feedback that they have so that's one that as a business every aspect of our company we take we take very seriously because that's the voice of the customer and if you listen to that it can help guide you either say okay this is something that we need to work on or you know this is this is something that we're getting right and and let's make sure that we're not losing any ground in that area
0: so let's move on from what what works now to planning for the future. So in your opinion, what's the biggest marketing trend or challenge for marketers over the coming year?
1: You know, it's interesting. I would say on the challenge front, one that it's a, it's a little more tactical, maybe a little bit less sexy from, you know, there's there's video and there's new channels. I think though, from in terms of zero party and first party data that you have to work with as you know marketers and as event organizers, I think the challenge for a lot of teams is to find a way to re-anchor into the success of email marketing and thinking through data strategically so that your messages are actually landing. It's still such an important channel. Digital is every bit as important. I almost feel like we've all put so much effort into into making those flows correct. And you know, the creativity that we wanna put into campaigns and the targeting and the spend and measuring and making sure that we're optimizing. And I think what we taking the data that we know about our audiences, and it can still really be a challenge to get into segmenting in a way that feels really smart are you using what you know in terms of their behavior now their past behavior um what you have in terms of demos do you feel like you have your finger on the pulse enough so what you know about those audience segments you can say something that's actually relevant and and different and that you can actually scale that within your team because turning on automation, personalization, messaging in a way throughout all of your data sets, which no one has clean data. Some of it's enriched, some of it's not. You've sort of, you know, you've changed your demos over the years, you've got different forms, but I think getting that right so that the audience that has already opted in and expects you to know them in a way that we're, we're honoring that and we're really getting that right. And that is a, a consistent challenge for marketers to kind of get that playbook down.
0: Great advice. I've been your host, David Bain. You can find Catherine Frankson over at money2020.com. Catherine, thanks so much for being on the Strategic Marketing Show. Thank you, David. And thank you for listening. Here at IFP, our goal is simple, to connect you with the most relevant information to help solve your business problems all in one place. Insightsforprofessionals.com.